We have just been so blessed with our brother this week. How many of you enjoyed this week? Just felt refreshed. God touch you. God help you. Amen. We're going to have another service with our brother. Open your hearts. Let's give a nice warm welcome to Evangelist Ralph Blackwell. Appreciate you. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor. I want to thank every one of you who's been here every night, every service. Uh, I talk to my wife every night, and we're just just excited about what's going on. And um, tonight, God wants to help us. We're going to turn our Bibles to uh, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. If uh, I can have the picture on the screen. On the 1st of February, 1991, uh, U.S. Air <clears throat> 737 large plane, uh, flight number 1493 with 83 passengers had touched down. <clears throat> it, it had collided with the smaller SkyWest plane, flight number 5569. What had happened, a confused and distracted air traffic controller had mistakenly cleared the larger plane to land on the same runway where one minute earlier she had just sent the smaller plane to land. The larger plane was coming down and it's going 150 miles an hour. It collided into the smaller plane. Both of them went across the airfield, smashed into an abandoned fire station. You'll see it there. And uh, both burst into flames. Everyone on the SkyWest, the smaller plane, ten passengers and two crew members died. Twenty-two people on the larger plane were killed, including 18 who couldn't get off the plane. I think I shared a little bit the other day. They were all standing in the middle, uh, and you know, in the aisle, trying to get out on the middle exit. <clears throat> or one woman had frozen. So another guy comes because he sees her. She's just frozen there, just a fright. And uh, he opens the door. But another guy says, hey, let me get out first. He says, no, I'm going out first. So they start duking it out. They start fighting, see who's going to be first. Meanwhile, there's people lined up. <clears throat> One guy by the name of David, <clears throat> six foot five. He's, uh, uh, at first, when all this happened, he, he starts crawling. But people, they start panicking and, he, you know, uh, they start stampeding on him. They're all, he's like, oh, God, forget this, I'm going to stand up. <clears throat> So now he's waiting behind that line, and these these guys are fighting. And, and <clears throat> he says, "I got to find a way out." He says, "I am going to find a way out, and I will live." He had a decisive mindset. Decisive mindset. I will get out, and I am going to live, or vice versa. <laughs> I will live, and I will get out. <clears throat> Sure enough, when those guys were fighting, people were waiting in line. He's the last one in line. He says, no, I'm going to find another way out. 
He goes out <clears throat> through the front. <clears throat> You'll see the front. <clears throat> and uh, he jumped down, hurt his leg, but he's, yeah, he was saved. The man lived. In the book of Joshua, in the text that we're going to read, Joshua made a decisive decision to serve the Lord. The word decisive, according to the dictionary, has this definition, having the power or quality of deciding, to be resolute, to be determined. If there was ever a time to be decisive to serve God, it is now. It is now. Some of you have maybe heard the gospel when you were younger. Maybe you, you were going to some church. You would read your Bible. You would pray. But because of different circumstances, maybe someone hurt you at church. They said something to you. Or to you, it was just like boring. Oh, God, I'm out of here, you know. And you left the church. <clears throat> But you're here tonight, and I don't think it's coincidence. Because our loving Father is always trying to reach you. He's always trying to get you to hear the gospel again. Because He loves you, and He wants to reach you. If you want to see the will of God come to fruition in your life, you're going to need to be decisive that you will serve God. We need men and women to make decisive decisions to serve God no matter what. <clears throat> no matter what. If a family member doesn't want to serve God, your spouse doesn't want to serve God, your children don't want to serve God, your parents don't want to serve God, your siblings don't want to serve God, it doesn't matter. I am going to serve God. I am going to stay to the stuff. I'm going to come to church and I'm going to serve God. Too many people are vacillating in their decision to serve God. Let me say something. For some of you who might be playing the game, I don't know. Uh, but if you like sin more, okay, go at it. <laughs> I mean, no, it's fun. Go like this. For a season, right? For a season. And then you begin to see things happen around you. And you begin to see the destruction your sin life brings. Oh, when you're with your friends, you're partying down, you're having fun, you're laughing. Oh, it's fun. And then you get home and you go, oh, God. And then you're lonely, you're miserable. You begin to see the results, the devastating effects. Lives are broken. Lives are ruined. Relationships are broken. Marriages are broken. Families are broken. Friends, you lose friends. <clears throat> I was in Guatemala a year ago. And two young girls, sisters, 14 and 15 years old. 14 and 15. They would party as much as they could, and they'd stay out till one, two in the morning. The church is uh, going into the city. They went to the downtown plaza there, Guatemala City, Guatemala. And one of the girls from the church sees the two sisters sitting on the bench. They're 
in the plaza and she just approaches them. She begins to tell them about the gospel, the love of Christ, the plan that God has for our lives. And the girls respond, yes, we want this. The two sisters tell their story to this young girl and they're telling, we're tired of partying already. We're done with this. They start coming to church. Their mother and their father are opposed to this. Parents don't go to any church, though they say they're a part of a certain sect, a certain religion. They never go. But mom especially, she says, girls, I don't want you going to that church. Here's what the girls did. Mom, we love you. We will respect you. We will obey you in everything. But in this decision, Mom, you're not going to stop us. We're going to go to church. Mom, it's good for us. We're already tired of the lifestyle we've We're already tired of that. Mom, this is good for us. I said, no, you're not going. No, Mom, we are going. And every time they come, they bring their nephews and nieces, and they fill up the whole row, whole front row every time they come. <laughs> the, the mom called the pastor. She said, what kind of pastor are you? Ma'am, who are you and what are you talking about? My daughters go there and I told them to stop. You need to tell them to go home right now. Ma'am, it's up to them. No one here forces anyone. And listen, your daughters say that this is helping them. Let them get help. I said no. This is a year now down the road. Both mom and dad are softening up. And they're saying, wow, girls, you girls have changed. We like the change. They were decisive. They were decisive. But because many are not decisive, the Bible says we can become like what James says in chapter 1 of James, verse 8. We become double-minded, unstable in all our ways. Guys, let me say this for those who are still single. If you're this type of individual, you're insecure, you're not decisive, you may be, you may have a very good job, you may be good looking, but if the girl sees that you're indecisive, that you're insecure, she's not gonna pick you. No girl wants an insecure man, and the ladies say, I'm trying to help you ladies. Hello? The lady said, all right there. <laughs> but it's true. How many, be honest, how many, how many have seen a beautiful, gorgeous girl with an ugly guy? Only me? Okay, two of us. Okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know what? Some guys say, dude, how do you do it? What? Do what? How do you get such a beautiful, gorgeous girl? I don't know. Ask her. <laughs> um, why are you with him? Because he's secure. He gives me security. What? <laughs> he gives me security. Listen, girls, when you're indecisive, when, you, when you're insecure, you bring confusion. 
You bring confusion to those around you. If you're married, you bring confusion to your husband. If you're not married, you bring confusion to your friends. Uh, I'm telling you, it, it is not a good idea. It's not, it's not good when you're this way. So I want to minister a message very quickly. I've, I've entitled it, Being Decisive. Being Decisive. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15 This translation reads like this. Then Joshua spoke to the people. He said, now, you have heard the Lord's words. So you must respect the Lord and serve him fully and sincerely. Throw away the false gods that your people worship. That happened on the other side of the Euphrates River and in in Egypt. Now you must serve the Lord. But maybe you don't want to serve the Lord. You must choose for yourselves today. You. You must choose for yourself today. You must decide whom you will serve. You may serve the gods of your people, uh, that your people worship when they lived on the other side of the Euphrates River. Or you may serve the gods of the Amorites who lived in this land. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Let's look at my first point, being decisive. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 4 in the New Testament, Paul writes this, But know this, that in the last days, earliest times shall come. For men will be lovers of of themselves. Are we seeing this nowadays? Lovers of themselves? Yeah. Uh, I went to Africa and Kenya. And I don't know, I, I guess many of the young kids didn't have phones and now all of a sudden every all the young people were getting phones and we're in this little mall and all the young kids all teenagers they're they're all lined up and they all of them they're just taking selfies i don't know why they have to stick the lips out but they're always doing it i mean they're <laughs> hey pastor does this happen all the time no they just got new phones and everyone's <laughs> selfies Anyways, love, and then lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather... And lovers of God. I think that pretty much describes our generation. But I like Joshua's style. He laid out the facts. He exhorted them to get off the fence and get their spiritual act together, if you will. One writer said this, He encouraged personal and strong commitment, but not once did he pull rank and, 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 and uh, fall back on intimidation to get his way. He risked being ignored and rejected when he left the final decision up to them. He respected their, their right to follow his advice or walk away when he told them. In so many words, he was saying, hey, you make up your mind. You make up your mind. But there was never any question where he stood. He had weighed the the evidence, considered the alternatives, and came to a decision which became his conviction. You see, when you make it a conviction of yours, no one's going to pull you out. It has to become a conviction. Your personal decision. 
And he said that he and his family were going to serve the Lord God, no question about it. But whatever others would do was strictly up to them. They would have to decide for themselves. I don't know if you guys sing a song that we sing in Prescott, Arizona. It's, it's uh, I've got my mind made up. That is being decisive. I've got my mind made up. I'm going to serve the Lord. Speaking of Joshua, he had an unusual combination. I want you to listen to this, especially if you're a business owner or if you're in management or anything of this. He was a strong leader who knew where he was going, but he gave others the the space they needed to choose for themselves. No threats, no name-calling, no public put-downs, no exploitation or manipulation or humiliation. He didn't play on their emotions or attack them on their alleged ignorance or use some gimmick to gain strokes in defense of his position. He knew what God would have him do, and he realized the consequences of their choosing differently. But they needed to weigh those issues for themselves. It needed to be their decision, not his. And so at that point, that's when he backed off and said, Now you decide. Now listen to this, guys. That's not only smart. It's an evidence of two virtues. Number one, security in himself. Number two, respect for others. How many know? uh, How many have ever uh, uh, family members or friends have tried forcing you to do something? And what do you do? Oh yeah, I'm not. Make me. Right? Don't we do that? Huh? Oh yeah? Mm, I'm not. Try to move me now. And you're like as sort as a rock, man. You're... One little girl, the teacher said, I want you to sit down after much... She finally sat down. Then she says, I may be sitting down, but I'm actually standing up still. <laughs> the teacher... <laughs> Know that he didn't tell the people to opt for his option. Because no one can make that decision but you. Joshua knew that if they didn't wrestle with the issue on their own, the resulting decision might be uh, superficial, something fragile. When you're just doing it, it's because everyone's like, okay then, I'll do it. But some, you know, you have to make a hard decision. Something happens, you go, I'm out of here, dude. Yeah, I mean, let's get out. Why? Because it wasn't your conviction. You leave right away. Any, any hardship, whatever, you're gone. Do you know what will help you when you make a decision? Number one, go to prayer. Go to God in prayer. Number two, know His Word. Know some of His promises. Number three, think of the consequences of your decisions. What they're going to bring. How it's going to affect you, your family. Revelations chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says this, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. That's strong right there. That's strong. God says, hey, what are you going to be? 
You want to get in or you're out? Which one? Well, one day I'd like to be in, but then the other day, no. No. You're in, you're out. You're cold, you're hot. Don't be lukewarm. Let's look secondly at base your decisions using God's word. Folks, this is why I or your pastor cannot make decisions for you. Now, pastor can give you suggestions on what to do, but you have to decide what God wants you to do. I told you I want to be a police officer. I'm 22 years old. My pastor comes up to me and says, Ralph, what do you want to do in life? It's easy, pastor. I want to be a cop. All right, there's nothing wrong with that. Have you prayed about it? No, why should I? I already know what to do. He just laughed at me. He goes, um, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? <laughs> no, I didn't. But one day he calls me. I'm working. Uh, the job I have was auto parts. Our, our store would close at 9 p.m. He calls me at work. He says, hey, Ralph, what time do you get off today? I get off at 5. Hey, you want to go with me to go see one of my friends? A pastor friend, he's doing a revival over here up north. Uh, I live in Northern Cal Bay Area. <clears throat> he says, you want to go with me? Go here and preach. Yeah, sure. I had my own apartment. I says, yeah. I says, let me get off, take a shower, and I'll pick you up in my vehicle. As we're heading that way, I begin to pray silently. I says, God, I know where my pastor's coming from. But God, I want to be a cop. God, if, you, if, if, if you're calling me into the ministry... Let this preacher, who I don't know, he probably doesn't even know who I am, and he doesn't know that we're coming. God, let him preach on the theme that you're calling men to preach. If he does that, okay, God, then I know you're calling me. But if not, God, you know what? I want to be a cop. Amen. I'm praying silently. I don't want pastor to know, right? Folks, we get there. Song service announcements. The preacher gets up. Hey guys, tonight I want to preach on the, on, on that God's calling men to preach. What? Are you serious? The man preaches on that theme. Makes an altar call. You know, heads bowed, eyes closed. How many want to give your life to Jesus Christ? No one. No one got saved that night. <clears throat> and then he says this: Men, God's talking to some of you here. Who's going to lift up your hand? I literally was, I'm sitting down and I open my eyes. I go out this, come on guys, one of you, come on, lift up your hand. That's not going to be me. Come on. For the second time ever in my Christian walk, to me, it felt like God was right here. He says, you asked and I answered you. Oh, my hair started, whoa, God, you're scaring me. This is way too fast. No way. I'm not going to do it either. As we're heading back home, I'm under conviction. And I just want to get home as fast as I can. We're only 30 minutes away. And I see Pastor over here with a big old smile. He says, hey, Ralph, how do you like the service? Yeah, yeah, real good. <laughs> Next day, he calls me again at work. Hey, Ralph, what time do you get off? Five. You want to go with me again? Sure, Pastor, I'll go with you again. I'll pick you up. I did the same thing. Again, I'm praying silently. God, I don't want to be a preacher. I want to be a cop. But God, if you really call me, let this preacher preach on the same theme. Different sermon, but the same theme. Now, if he does that, they're okay then. I really know you're calling me. I don't usually pray that way all the time, folks, to just let you know. But I just, I I wanted to make sure God was speaking to me. Folks, that preacher, we get there, the preacher says, 
Folks, I mean, we need to obey God. Some people said amen. Others just kept silent, like me. <laughs> Folks, five hours ago, God already had a sermon for me. But five hours ago, he switched it. I believe he wants you to preach on the same theme. The guy heard from God. He preached on the same theme, different sermon, but same theme. I go, that's incredible, man. Again, no one got saved that night. He says, man, I believe God's calling some of you. Lift up your hand. Again, I did the same thing. Come on, guys. One of you lift up your hand. Come on. This time God spoke to me like a stern dad, like, son, you asked twice. And I answered you. Again, all my ears like, whoa. Preacher says, I know there's someone here God's speaking to. I went like this. Preacher, I saw that hand, young man. Yeah, you. You with the blue shirt. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here. You with the blue shirt. Oh, me? Yeah, kid over here. Come here. Folks, to this day, to this day, I have no clue what he said when he was praying for me. Because I kept saying, I don't want to do this. I want to be a cop. I, I, I don't even know what he said when he was praying over me. But I had to decide that I wanted to do this. Listen. God wants to help us. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14 says this. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Verse uh, verse 14. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Folks, you all know that God's heart is to save all mankind. But not all mankind wants to get saved. Not everyone's going to get saved. Because they don't want to. Not that God doesn't want them to. God wants them to. You can read the famous uh, two, two scriptures. John three sixteen and 17. <laughs> For God so loved the world. He gave His only Son, right? Verse 17 says, He doesn't want anyone to perish. And, and listen, listen folks. God can't decide for you. <laughs> it's up to you. You want to go the broad way that all your friends and many people are going that road? That is totally up to you. But God says there's another road. It's a narrow road. And few people go to it. But that's the way that leads to life. I finally decided, God, not my way. I want to go your way. I, I chose a narrow road. I don't regret not being a cop. I don't regret not choosing the wide road. Listen, my friends. Tonight's a night where you're going to have to come to a decision. I remember I was, um, so now again, I'm 22 years old. My older brother, we all live in the same town, but he lives on the other side of town. I, I, my apartment's over here. And he's not saved. He's not a Christian. I am. But I'm going through a rough time in my life right now at 22. And I says, God, I'm going to go to my older brother's home. And I'm going to ask for some advice. So as I start heading that way, I get out of my apartment. I turn right. My brother lives that way. 
I turn down this corner, and I walk already two blocks already going west. When all of a sudden, I, to me, it felt once again, God's voice says, turn left. I stop, and I go, but God, my brother lives that way, not left. Turn left. Okay, I'll, I'll turn left. Go one, one corner, one, one block, nothing. Walk another block. Turn left. Turn left. It's almost like he's taking me back to my place. Okay, turn left. I'm going left. I'm walking. He says, see that house right there? Go right there. Oh, I know whose house that is. That's one of the guys from church. So he has a, it's a walkway. The front door's over there. And here's a window, which is the kitchen. And I'm walking like this. They don't even know. I haven't knocked yet. They don't know I'm coming. I didn't know I was going there. But whoever was talking on the phone, like they're talking with someone else, I knew they were talking on the phone. And what he said on the phone was my answer. I never even got to the door. I stopped right going, oh, wow. God, you just gave me the answer. Huh. Okay. And then like God says, all right, go home now. <laughs> I was just one block away from my house. Like, well, that's weird. He only made... I don't have to walk way out there to my, to my brother's house. God gave me direction. Folks, what I'm saying by that is that God can direct your steps. God wants to lead you. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. John 10, verse 4, and when he brings out his, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. I like Galatians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And this translation says, this is Paul. After 14 years, I went to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas. I also took Titus with me. I went because God showed me that I should go. Folks, God speaks. He really does. He speaks through us through His Word, through sermons, through music. Different forms, but does God does speak. I believe it was Phil Donahue back in the day. <clears throat> he pulled in a pastor to a show and he's trying to like put him down. Phil Donahue says, Hey preacher, you say God speaks to you? Yes. How does he speak to you? And then the preacher says, Well, you tell me, Phil, he's spoken to you before. He just put his head, okay, uh, let's go to the next question. And God does speak. If you would like God to direct your steps, seek His advice. Proverbs 8.33, hear instruction, be wise, do not neglect it. As you make decisions, pray and use God's Word to weigh out your alternatives. Decide what to do. Trials are going to come. But many times those trials help us as we're making decisions. And listen, God wants you to follow Him, my friends. You know, one mega church pastor said, I have a church of 10,000 people, 10,000, but I don't even have one disciple. Most of our churches are made of smaller groups, 
But we have many disciples. Just alone in this church, there's probably, you know, like 15 disciples here. And we're just a small congregation. Decide now and into the future that you will pray and listen to the instruction of God. Listen to what sermons that God brings through the preacher. Make a wise choice and allow God to help you. Like I said, folks, if you want to continue to do the party scene and all that, go for it. I just hope you don't die in that party scene. I hope you don't miss the rapture. Jesus is coming soon, my friend. He's coming soon. He really is. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. He wants a relationship with you. Church is not just religion. It's a relationship. I found it. I found this relationship when I was 14 years old. May of 1975. It's real. If it wasn't real, I wouldn't be doing this. I would be a cop. But this is real. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. That's what God has for you. He wants to direct you because he's had a, He has a future and a hope for you. He has purpose for you. I will never head bowed, every eye closed tonight. I don't believe it's by coincidence that you're here. God loves you so much. So much. He continues ministering to you to reach out towards you. He doesn't want you to go the way of hell. He loves you. He's always loved. You felt that love at one time. Maybe as a child when you gave your life first, when you first gave your life to Christ. You know, you know He's real. He's real. But all He does, He knocks. He's such a gentleman. He just knocks. It's up to you, my friend. You've got to decide. Many of us here have already decided, I'm going to serve God no matter what. I was the first one of nine in my family. I was the first one to get saved. My, my older brothers mocked me. I didn't care. I said, hey, you can mock whatever you want, man. This is real. Until you find out, then you know what? You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> this is real, man. I'm going to serve God. And then when I backslid, when I was 22, I backslid for three months. I go, what am I doing? I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I'm coming back. I came back to the feet of God. He says, Lord, I want to follow your direction. Three months. That's all it took for me, man. I said, I'm done. <clears throat> but I don't know about you. Maybe you're not done. Maybe you still want to do your own thing. Okay. But please understand, we have no guarantee of tomorrow, my friend. We have no guarantee. 
If you die in your sin, that's not a good thing. But God is offering hope. God has given you clear direction through this message. There's two roads. The wide road that leads to destruction. The narrow road that leads to life. No one can make that choice for you. No one can force you. It's got to be your decision. <clears throat> Decide today that you'll live for God. Listen, if you fall, get up and go forward still. Don't give up. Fight for your salvation. You fight for other things, fight for your salvation. Keep going. Let God help you. Tonight, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I want to bring you to a decision. Simple message, be decisive. My friend, every time you hear the gospel, it's just God giving you another opportunity. (coughs) Another opportunity to get saved. (coughs) So I want to give you that opportunity. I'm not talking church membership. I'm not talking you have to be, you have to come to this church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your relationship with God Almighty, the one who loves you. The one who sent his only son, Jesus, to down on a real cross. And he's knocking on your door of your heart tonight. He's knocking on your door. How many would like to decide tonight that you're going to serve God? You're going to get out of the wide road. You're going to get onto the narrow road. How many would like to make that decision tonight? Say, Ralph, pray for me. I'm not asking you to be a member here. I'm not talking about membership. Talking about you getting your heart right with God. He wants to forgive you of sin. You know, the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. There's many benefits with this miracle. Your sins are forgiven. Peace of mind comes over you. Joy of salvation. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of heaven. And your name has to be written if you want to make heaven your own. With the miracle of salvation, become born again. The Bible says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. You must. It's in the spiritual. This evening, how many would like to do that? Maybe you're backslidden. At one time, you had made this decision. But you've drawn away for whatever reason. There's many reasons. But you've drawn away. You've backed off. But tonight, God's spirit, God's love is tugging at your heart. He's saying, I'm giving you another chance. How many would like to make that decision to serve God? To surrender to the will of God, my friend. I'm telling you, that is the greatest decision you'll make. I have no regrets giving my life to Jesus Christ. How many would like to do that tonight? Ralph, here's my hand. I understand I'm in sin right now. I'm in the broad road, the wide road. 
But I want to I change tonight. Would anyone like to do that this evening? Backsliders. Others, maybe you're not sure if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Where would you go? That's a real question. Where would you go? You're not sure. You want to be sure. Lift up your hand right now. I'd like to pray with you. Bring assurance to you through God's Word. You can make heaven your home. If we were to die tonight, we'd make heaven our home. How many would like that assurance? Just lift up your hand. You come to this church, but yet you're not sure. If you were to die tonight, would you make heaven your home? Lift up your hand if you want to make sure. Say, preacher, pray for me. I want to make sure. I want to make sure. Anyone? Anyone? Then let me talk to saints. Guys, we're living the days now where you have to be decisive. Things are coming. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And you have to decide right now. Am I going to stand for Jesus Christ? Or am I just going to go with the flow that the world is throwing at us? You have to decide. I know what I'm going to do. We can't decide for you. And if there was a message that would be my last message before I died, I'll tell you what, it would be this message to encourage you. Let's serve God. No matter what. Marriages are breaking up. Some don't want to serve God anymore. But I'm telling you, you have to decide. It has to be your conviction. I am going to serve God. I am. Let's all stand. Let's all stand reverence to God. We're going to dismiss here shortly. Let's all stand. In our churches, we always make an altar call. In other words, where we invite people to come to this altar. You know, the Bible talks much about altars. It's a place of decision. And tonight, I'd like to open this altar for you if you'd just like to come down and decide tonight. You know what? No matter what, I'm sticking to Jesus. No matter what trial, no matter what the world throws at us, the devil is so... I'm telling you, he's so... uh, he, he has strategy. <laughs> and he wants to pull you and I away. We're living a day where we have to have men and women that are going to be decisive to serve God. And I want to open up this altar, and then I want to pray with you at the end. <clears throat> and we're going to be praying for the sick. So some of you, if you have pain in your body, maybe you're dealing with some sickness, some disease, cancer, asthma, allergies, Anything you want prayer for, we will pray for you. We've been seeing many miracles. We believe in miracles. We see miracles. We see miracles. So let's do that. Altars are open. We're going to sing a song. Amen. Let's sing a song, my friend. Yes.
Amen. Let's give God a clap offering right now. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy, Father. Give you praise.